Wednesday. So we left off there, verses 5 and 6. Paul is gathering some wood, a viper, a highly venomous snake bit him on the hand. It says fastened to his hand. And the Phoenician people that lived there on the island, they saw it. They referred to it as barbarians simply because they're not Greek. And then when they saw it, they said, well, obviously, <laughs> this is a very paganistic people. They have lots of false gods that, that transferred over from Greek mythology and those things. And they said, well, obviously, this man is a murderer. He's some kind of bad guy because he, he survived the sea. He, sur- he escaped Poseidon. If you remember, we looked at they had their, their gods of the sea. They had um, Poseidon and Neptune was their gods of the sea. They said, oh, he, he escaped from them, but, but boy, he couldn't get away from the god of revenge. Nemesis, their, their revenge god, he, he got him. That old, that old snake got him. And then verse number five says that he shook the snake off and he felt no harm. And then verse six, how bit when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they looked a great while and saw no harm in him, they changed their minds and they said that he's a God. Isn't it amazing how fast a world can create a God? They, they don't believe in the one true God, so they're always looking for something. So we, we looked really at the first half of the verse there. See, Paul, Paul is on his way to Rome. He is doing exactly what God has told him to do. But it's going a lot different than anybody could have ever imagined. I mean, if Paul... If, if I'm like Paul and God said me to go to Jerusalem, although God did fair warning, there's going to be some bad things happening at Jerusalem. But he said, as you preach at Jerusalem, you're going to preach at Rome. I'm, I'm expecting, I mean, if God send to me, I'm thinking somehow, miraculously, I'm going to be able to afford a first-class ticket on Delta, right? I mean, I don't see myself flying back down to tell anyone of them old coach planes bouncing around in some little low-economy airline. But, but here he, he, he winds up on a ship, and if that's not bad enough, he winds up in a shipwreck. So God sent Paul to Jerusalem where he, where he gets beat and arrested and all that. And You know, for those that say if you're doing exactly what God says do, and going exactly where God says go, you'll never suffer persecution. They've never studied this story. They, they've really never examined the Christian life, but they've certainly never looked at the life of the Apostle Paul. I mean, of his own words, beaten with stripes above measure, imprisoned frequently, beaten five times by the Jews, 40 stripes save one, beaten with rods, stoned and presumed dead, three shipwrecks, a night and day in the deep because of a shipwreck, perils of water, perils of robbers, peril by his own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city streets, perils in the wilderness, perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and hunger and thirst and cold and naked. I mean, you name it, Paul has suffered it. And here's the the key. He suffered it all for the name of Christ. He suffered every one of those for the preaching of the gospel, for for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I was studying that all day. Um, especially I kept singing a song and thinking back to the song. And there is a part two to the story, but for part one, I've asked them to, to sing a song that has a lot to do with this story. It has a lot to do with, with, with our life and, and how things shape up. You guys ready?
so much. Sometimes a song just says it better than you can say it. Sometimes a song says all you need, and that, that's the Apostle Paul's life. He didn't promise all the, he didn't promise him roses without thorns, right? And we're in the same life. We're, we're in the same thing. We serve the same God. We're servants of the same God. But there, there's another side of the story that we'll get to see in a little bit as we look at the story here. But in, in the center of the will of God, Paul was beaten at Jerusalem. He was arrested for no reason at all. He's been held in prison without any formal charges really against him. And now he's headed towards Rome in the center of the will of God as a prisoner and ends up in a shipwreck. So everything looks like a total disaster. From the day they set sail when Paul said don't and, and they said the soft winds looked appealing to them and they set out, everything from there forward Looks like a disaster, but every day of that disaster is what it took to get him to where he is. Everything that looks so bad is all part of God's plan because there's an entire island of people here that are mainly Phoenicians that haven't heard the gospel. There's an entire island of people that are referred to as barbarians by everybody else just because they're not Greek. And, and they're at this place called Melita, which if you remember, there's the, the Phoenician word for the refuge. So you have this place called the refuge. Well, it's really not a refuge if God isn't there. And the place is called the refuge, but until Paul got there, Paul and that ship, it's really not the refuge, but it's named appropriately. So the God, God gives them no choice but to crash the ship 
into this, but he prepared a place there at the refuge called the bosom so that they had to crash their ship into the bosom of the refuge. God had everything all worked out. The same waves that had pushed that boat and pushed that boat for 14 days but had not destroyed that boat, once they got into the bosom of the refuge, those same waves destroyed that boat so that there's no way they could leave there. But God still needs to get the Phoenician people's attention. At this point, the Phoenicians are the heroes. At this point, the Phoenicians are the ones taking care of not only all of the paganistic people that came off that ship, but they're the ones taking care of God's anointed. They're the ones taking care of Luke and the companions that, that are traveling with the Apostle Paul. So at the moment, it is the Phoenicians that are the heroes. So God needs to get their attention. So he has his own service bit by a highly poisonous snake and he had him bitten by this highly poisonous snake in front of everybody so they'd sit and we looked at it a couple weeks ago God didn't bring Paul all the way to here just like to rest him God brought him here on his way to Rome to use him yes Paul's got business in Rome Paul's got God's business in Rome you got God's business in your Rome but there's some places between here and Rome. Rome is not a nonstop flight. And, and so what we see is God on his way to Rome, he said, I got somewhere else. I got a lot of other people, and this is going to be a story in the Bible. I got something big I want to do. So he brings him here to, to this island, but when, he, when he's bitten by this snake, everybody says, oh, he's got to be a murderer. He's got to be something bad. And I tell you, they were wrong. He's not something bad. He's not a murderer. But then after it has no effect, now, now God has their attention. Now they decided, well, he's a God. Well, they're, they're wrong again. He's not a God, but he's God's man. He's not a God, but he's God appointed. He's not a God, but he's God guided. He is everything that God intends for man to do. And we left off of that. He's a man who's filled with the Spirit of God, led by God, and used for God's glory. That's the kind of man Paul is. But what we see in a man like Paul is that when we allow God to use our lives, even in the storm, God is in control of our protection. Even in the trial, God is in control of our situation. Even in a sickness, God is the one in control of our healing. Verse number 7, God provides Paul and his Christian companions a place to stay. It says that the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. Man, this dude is like the governor of the island. He lives in the governor's mansion. I mean, he's got it going on. This is the big cheese there, and that's where God puts them up. God, God puts them up after the shipwreck and all that. He puts them up in a nice place. But, but see, God is no man's debtor. God used this man to put them up and take care of them. But, but Jesus said, if somebody even gives a cup of cold water in my name, that there's rewards for it, right? So, so God is no man's debtor. So just ironically, I mean, what a coincidence that it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Man, what a coincidence that Paul just happened to get there at the right time. That's the way the world thinks. There are no coincidences in God's economy. 
That man got sick when that soft wind turned into a hard wind, and God took the exact amount of time he needed to 14 days to deliver him to get him over, and he needed him here for such a time as this. Same thing's true in our lives. We go through stuff that seems a disaster. We seem delayed. We seem out of the way. But if we're following the will of God, we wind up right where we're supposed to be, whether we thought that was the right place or not. So, so he, he goes in, and, and, and he prays for him. I, I was thinking about something before, before I move on there to that next verse. I, was, I thought about it before, and I, I thought about it again today, and I don't know that I really like my answer. Let, let's say this is our house. Let's say we're the ones that, that brought them in, and we're the ones taking care of them, and it's our family that's sick. It's our family that needs help. Luke is a physician. Who are you going to call? Luke's the physician in the bunch. He's not just a physician. He's the Christian physician. He's one of Paul's traveling companions. Now, if somebody's sick, who are you going to call? I don't know that a lot of times, and, and I, listen, I'm, I'm all for doctors. Y'all know that. I, I am. I thank God for them. I, God gave us doctors. God gave us things for help. But that needs to be the second call. The first call has to be father. Agree? See, I, I, don't, I don't know that I like my answer to that question. If it's my house, it's me. Who am I going to call? Well, Luke's a physician. Well, he's a prayer warrior. He's a Christian. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I do know it doesn't say Luke laid his hands on him. And Luke's the one writing it. Pretty sure Luke would have said we laid our hands on him. We, we, remember, we've seen the, the transfer from they to we. So we are, we are there. Luke is with him. We are there. It doesn't say we laid our hands on him. It said Paul laid his hands on him, and the man was healed. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. Man, the people heard about it. They brought all manner of sick, just like with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Man, they brought the lame and, and the maim and the blind and the deaf. I mean, they, they're bringing everybody. They're bringing everybody that's there. No sickness was too sick. No disease was too contagious. No, no infirmity was too severe. No handicap was, was too much of a problem. Nobody is turned away. It says that they brought everybody. They had all diseases on the island. They came, and it says, and were healed. There are no exclusions mentioned in that Luke doesn't say everyone but he leaves no one out he says they were all healed this is the last time in the New Testament that you're going to find this kind of healing power used this is the apostolic power that God gave to the that Jesus Christ gave to the apostles when he sent them out two by two he sent 70 others out also he gave them power over unclean spirits power over sickness freely you've been given freely give that was apostolic power Sorry, but these guys, they don't have that. They claim they do, they don't. If they do, then they don't go up at a hospital because these people die and all they got to do is go in there and change. And they go, well, they don't have the faith to be healed, hogwash. These people didn't even know who Jesus Christ was. They don't have no faith. All they knew is a man named Paul landed and he healed that man and they came. It's Paul's faith. It's Paul's power. It's the anointing of God on Paul's life that healed them. That is the apostolic power that they had. And that's the last time you find it in the New Testament. So I'm not going to see it in any of these guys in 2023. Just go ahead and tell you. So, so what I do know, what I do know is that God still heals. 
And what I do know is that God still hears and answers prayer. But I also know that no man has the ability to do what the Apostle Paul right here did. To, to go up there at St. Joseph in Atlanta and stand in one spot and everybody in there just come in and they all be healed on the spot. But every one of them has the ability to be healed. But it all boils down to prayer. God And God inspires us to pray for them. And then God heals them and then he gives you the reward for praying. Man, what kind of God have we got? He's so... He's so good. So, so at any rate, verse number 10, a little, we get a little bit of a fast forward. It says, Who also honored us with many honors, and when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. And after three months, we departed in the ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Can you imagine what those three months must have been like? I mean, can you imagine the, the number of souls that were saved on that island? You come into a paganistic island that does not even know God, and God does something as miraculous as, listen, the first miracle, everybody on that ship survived. Do you think they don't know that's a miracle? Everybody knows that ship was destroyed. Everybody knows what happened. That's a miracle in itself. And, and then you sit out with Paul, and then he heals him. And now, now he's been healing all these people. So can you imagine how many souls were saved? Can you imagine the rejoicing? You know, there's not a lot much sweeter than, than a, a new Christian that gets it, especially not the one that grew up in church and finally surrendered because they're broken, but the one when you go out on the street and they've been in drugs, they've been in all that, they didn't even really know anything about Christ, and they finally heard that there's somebody that loves me just like I am. There's somebody that loves me in spite of my problems, in spite of everything I've done. They love me in spite of my sin. There's somebody that loves me just because they love me. And they love me so much that they died on a cross for me so that all my sins could be forgiven. And when they get it, it's real. When they get it, it's a difference maker. Their whole life changes. Everything changes. The places they go changes. There becomes some real rejoicing. You got some people right here who knew nothing about Jesus Christ, and now all of a sudden you're getting an island full of Christians. I can only imagine what kind of rejoicing has been going on for these three months. So remember, Paul was beaten at Jerusalem, arrested, imprisoned, on his way to Rome. Just like God didn't promise that there wouldn't be any problems, God will still give you the refreshing that you need. God will still give you the strength you need when you need it. God will still be there to pick you up at the last minute when you absolutely cannot get up on your own. See, God has something special in store for the Apostle Paul. In spite of the shipwreck and the fears and all that was there, God was planning to use Paul but God was planning to refresh Paul. He's been in prison for over two years. Everything he's done, he's been opposed by, by the Jews. I mean, you think about all of Paul's journeys, right? Especially his missionary journeys. Everywhere he went, he's opposed by the Jews. Somebody say amen if you're still awake. Everywhere he went, there was opposition. Everywhere he went, he was beaten and, and mocked and, and run out. And, and there's always all of these obstacles, but not here. Doesn't say anything about there being any Jews here. They might have followed him through a lot. You remember that one time they followed him over 100 miles to show up in another city to, to mock him and to get him thrown out of that city? They didn't follow him through that typhoon. They, they didn't follow him through that shipwreck. 
He don't say nothing about there being any opposition or resistance here. There are a few places in the Bible where you find this kind of appreciation for the man of God. You don't find it in Jesus. They're always opposing Jesus. The Jews are always against Jesus. There's not a lot of places where you find a man of God get this kind of attention. Can you imagine what a great time in the Lord that must have been for the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine what a great time of refreshing after all he's been through from the time he left and all the way back to Jerusalem and everything that's happened, now all of a sudden God gives him three months of, of, of this. God will never give you more than you can handle. But God will never use you and not reward you for it. Here's what's crazy. You can't do anything without him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without him, I can do nothing. So we can do nothing without him. So anything that we do is Christ doing it through us, and he rewards us for doing it. Man, what a, what a, what a good God. So Paul, Paul has won the hearts of the people here. Now, now I, I would feel comfortable in saying there's probably not an ear on that island that hadn't heard of the name Paul. I, I would feel, I mean, you healed every sick on the island. I, I know news travels fast, you know. I mean, there, there's a network system don't take long. But you heal every manner of sicknesses out there. I would feel comfortable to say that, that there's not a household on this island that has not been touched by Paul. I, I, I would feel comfortable saying that, that there's not anybody that does not know who this man is, and if they know Paul, and they've been around Paul, and they've heard Paul, then they've heard of Jesus Christ. So this entire island is evangelized because of this shipwreck. Remember, that's how Paul got there, right? It was a shipwreck. And the name Melita means a refuge. Now it is a refuge. It was a refuge for Paul and all of them to shipwreck into, but now it truly is a refuge for all the Phoenician people that live there now that, that Christ has been introduced. It's not just that they took care of, of the apostle Paul while he was there. But they even give him provisions that they send him away. You, you know, there, there's nothing. You, you can see in Paul's life, there's nothing that he enjoys more than telling somebody about Christ and seeing a convert. There's nothing more enjoyable to the Apostle Paul than seeing a sinner repent and his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life as he comes to know Jesus Christ and becomes a child of the King. That is a great rejoicing. And he's had three months of it. Look what God did for Paul. So I wanted him to sing the song because I wanted us to understand. I didn't promise you all this stuff, but I did make you some promises. I did promise you that you'll go through the storms, but I'll be there. I did promise you there'll be trials and troubles, but I'll be in the midst of it. I, I did promise you there may be some fiery furnaces, but I'll be the fourth man in the fire. I, I, I didn't say that you wouldn't never be cast into a lion's den, but I did tell you that I would turn them into a fluffy little pillow for you. And I didn't tell you that, that everything would be easy, but I did tell you when you cross over that chilly Jordan, I'll be standing on the other side waiting and you'll see my face for the first time. But that doesn't mean that everything has to be bad. By the same token that serving God doesn't come without some, some troubles and trials and tribulations, serving God isn't all bad. 
every day of your life ain't going to be bad. God's going to do things to build us up and to, 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 and to, to, to charge us, to, re, to re-energize us. So after three months, we departed in the ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Now, this is another ship of Alexandria, this, this would be another grain ship, another large cargo ship, obviously headed towards Rome. The, cent, the centurion secures a spot for himself, the prisoners, the garden. He's still got a job to do, right? I mean, as soon as the winds lay down and winter gets over and there's some selling, he, he's got some prisoners to get to Rome. Now, for me, I, I was thinking about this too. I'm, I'm not sure how much I would want to be on that ship. I mean, it shows two false gods as their call sign, Castor and Pollux. That's, that's the names that's on there. The, those are two false gods. They're, they're considered to be the twin sons of Zeus and Leda. At least that's the way some of them do it. They, they say they're the twin sons. Now, others, you check this out, they're twins, but they got different fathers. Zeus is, of course, the god of the earth, but, but he, he, he's believed to be the father of one. Leda, she's like queen of Spartan. She's known long, flowing hair and and pale white skin, extremely beautiful. You may have seen she associated with a swan. There, there's some reason with that because Castor was fathered, they say, by, by Leda's husband, Tyrandarius. But Pollux was actually fathered by Zeus, who disguised himself as a swan to seduce the beautiful queen. And so even in that, they say that they're twins, but they have different fathers. I don't how they pulled that off out of one egg, but nonetheless. So you see how messed up mythology is anyway, right? I'm just saying, I'd be a little nervous about getting on that boat. But then you got to remember, they just made up names. They just made up stuff. It doesn't matter that their names are printed on the boat, and it doesn't matter there's a bunch of paganistic people getting on the boat, and it doesn't matter that the people driving the boat may not be Christians. You are, and God has control of your life. It doesn't matter that you drive down that road out there and people are driving around you, Number one, don't know how to drive. Two, texting on their phone. Half of them drunk. And, 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 and you're in that environment. But God protects us. He probably protects us from more than selling on the ship with these two names on it every day. So, so it, it's important just to remember that, that no matter what the situation is, God is the one that's in control. No matter what name's on the ship. So landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. So the trip from Melita to Syracuse, that'll only taken about a day. The fact that they've been sailing for one day, and now they're anchored for three days, scholars say, well, the reason for that would have probably been because of the winds again. They set out, they set course, but the winds weren't favorable. So they had to drop anchor at another port for about three days. And, and then in verse 13, from thence we fetched a compass. That means that we set a course in a direction and set a compass and, and came to Regium. After one day, the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Patoli. So the captain set a course to the island of, of Regium. Apparently, they anchored there for another short time, waiting for a favorable wind. Then they sailed for another day until reaching Patoli. So they've covered about 180 miles of sea in two days. They're, they're doing some sailing. This captain's waiting on the right winds, but, but he's making some time. But, but here at, at, at Patoli, this, this is a big deal. Now, them being a grain ship, that means when they come into a harbor, they leave their top sail up. When a grain ship comes in, they leave it up. That identifies them as a grain ship because a grain ship coming into a port is a big deal. 
when, when a grain ship's coming in, many people are going to get grain. Many people may have grain. They're going to trade chickens for grain, whatever. This is a big trading deal. So everybody gathers at the port. So when they come in, they would be in this grain ship. They, they would have kept their, their sails up. But what we see is when they come in, they're going to be here for a while. They're going to be lo- unloading grain and loading grain. They're going to be transferring and trading and those things got to be unloaded. They're going to be here for a minute, right? So, so what we see is that Paul, once again, is given great liberty by the centurion. You, you remember the centurion's the one that, that didn't trust Paul. And then the centurion's the one that didn't listen to Paul on the, on the soft winds, and he went and set sail anyway. But here it says that we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. The centurion gave Paul freedom for seven days. Go find some Christians. Go find a church. Go enjoy your stay. Can you imagine being personally your life responsible for a prisoner and all of a sudden you trust that guy enough to just say, stay close by. I'll let you know when we're going to leave. And you get back on. But go be a blessing to somebody. I wonder what kind of blessing it must have been. Can you imagine being on that island? Somebody like the Apostle Paul is coming to your town. Accident, Sure. I mean, they never should have been in Melita except that God ordained it that way, right? So now here they are selling back, and, and God lands the Apostle Paul at their church. Can you imagine the celebration? Can you imagine the worship time? Can you see what God is doing for his servant? He's been through some bad, bad stuff, but he's been through some good, good stuff. God, God is using him along the way to refresh him and to build him up. Yes, he's headed to Rome, but he's not going to get there bankrupt. He's not going to arrive at Rome spiritually bankrupt. He, he's not going to arrive at Rome beaten and worn down and so tired that he can't minister. He's going to get to Rome as a prisoner in chains after a shipwreck, but he's going to get there encouraged and energized and blessed by God, and ready to change everything that's there at Rome. So, so once again, just looking out, you can only imagine what kind of fellowship they have on the island, what, what kind of worship they got, and what, what an amazing week it must have been. Man, you talk about a revival? I bet you that one made, I bet you that one made the front page. I, I bet that one was talked about. They, they talked about that one for a long time. But then it says that after seven days, they set sail again. Well, I'm, I'm out of time. Well, I got somewhere between 60 seconds left because it's 7.59. But I don't, I don't have enough to start the next verse. Lord willing, that's where we'll pick up next week. I, I pray all of it is a blessing to you. I, we, we can't look at this and not see our life. You just, you just can't. We can't see the servants of God. We go through trials and troubles. So did they. We go through hard times and situations. So did they. But every one of us can look back at the time when we were on our last leg and thought we couldn't go another day and God showed up. When, when you thought, I can't talk to another person, and all of a sudden somebody accepted Christ, and you got to be there to help them. God, God always shows up just in time. You know, I understand serving God can have some, some rough times, but I got news for you. Not serving God has some rough times too. Life has some rough times, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So, so being a Christian doesn't make us void of walking through some rough times. But what it means is I'll be there with you in the rough times. I'll give you the strength to stand in the rough times. I will be there with you. The world won't have it. 
They just got to try to get through. They just got to be broken. But I'll be there for you. But, but I'm going to give you some good times. I'm going to give you some refreshing. I'm going to give you some revivals. I'm going to give you some spiritual hope and some spiritual restoration. Isn't God incredibly good to us? God, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us like you do, God. Thank you, Lord, for your long-suffering, your patience, God. I pray, Father, you'd help us to go out and to serve you with everything that's in us, God. I pray you'd help us to just pour our heart out, God. I pray you would break our heart for the lost, God. I pray that our heart would be broken for the lost the same way yours is. God, I pray that our heart would be broken for this community the same way yours is. God, I pray that our heart would be broken for the helpless and the hopeless and the homeless, God, the same way that yours is. God, I pray you'd give us vision and direction and guide us on how to reach this town, God. I pray you'd use us a mighty vessel for your good, God. Lord, you sent Paul all the way across there to, to Melita through a shipwreck. You didn't send him there to rest. You sent him there to work, but you rested him in the work. God, I pray you'd help us to be like that, God. May you send us throughout this town to work, but may you rest us in the work, God. Strengthen us as we see your kingdom grow. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.